Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. You would think that the problem of dishonesty would be simple to solve. If you have a problem with dishonesty, just start telling the truth. You know, stop lying, start telling the truth. But anybody who's ever struggled with an enslaving sin knows it's, it's not that easy, right? Getting out of a sin that you're stuck in is more than just a matter of resolve. I don't know of any sin that's more enslaving, has more power to enslave a person than lying. I mean worse than heroin or or cocaine or alcohol or pornography or any of those. Once you get into the habit where you've, to, you've told a, you've told so many lies that it just gets so they just they just they just pop out of your mouth before you even have a chance to think. You've already said them, and and the idea of coming clean and telling the whole truth just feels impossible. You just you can't get yourself to do it, and you're enslaved to that sin of lying. And James is going to teach us how to recover from that situation of being enslaved to lying. He's going to show us how we can become a man or woman of integrity again. Most people would agree about the honesty piece so far in this sermon. Everybody, I mean, you could get unbelievers in here. Everybody would say, yeah, we need to be honest. I mean, even non-Christians, our whole club, everybody's like pro-integrity, right? Yeah, integrity. Integrity is good. But what's important here is to understand why we fail in the area of integrity. What is it? Because if we're going to solve the problem, if we're going to break free from this, the chains of dishonesty, we need to understand the root cause. What is it that makes me either unfaithful or untruthful? The answer to that is this. It's a lack of reverence for the name of God. See, here's, this is the point that Jesus is making. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, his point was all oaths are ultimately in God's name. All of them. You can't say, well, the temple, but the gold in the temple is different. This is a, that. No, no, no. All of them are ultimately in God's name, even if you don't mention God. Even if you swear by yourself. I swear by myself, on my life, I'm telling you. That's, you're ultimately appealing to God there. That's what Jesus said. Even if you swear by your own head, that's an appeal to God. Because who's in charge of your head? Who's in charge of what happens to your head? God. So any kind of promise, any kind of guarantee is... Ultimately, an appeal to God. It's an oath. It's a vow. And, and, and that's why breaking our word is so serious, because it, it profanes God's name. Leviticus 19.12, he says, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You familiar with that word profane? It, to profane means to take something holy and drag it down and, and, and treat it as common, inconse- inconsequential. And he says, that's what you're doing in my name if you swear by my name and then you don't follow through. And, and what this verse, this, nine, this Leviticus 19 verse shows us is that the third commandment and the ninth commandment go together. Uh, do not give false testimony and do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain fit together. See, the whole reason why people swear by God is because the idea that God is so awesome and so much to be feared and reverenced that there is no way in the world I would ever say, I swear to God this is true, knowing that it's not true. I mean, I would be afraid to do that. That's the whole point of a vow. So if you you use God's name to persuade somebody that you're telling the truth and you're not telling the truth, that shows you don't fear God, right? 
You, you're just not afraid of him. You, you don't regard him as awesome. And instead, you regard him as just something common and profane. And if you use any kind of oath or promise to persuade someone that you're telling the truth, even if you don't even mention God's name, even if all you say is, I promise, still, what Jesus is teaching, you're ultimately calling God as a witness. All promises and oaths are ultimately an appeal to God. In the Old Testament, they would spell it out. A lot of times, like in 1 Samuel, they'll spell out the whole sentence. They'd say, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I'm not telling the truth. You know, and, then they would, and they would say that. But even if you don't say all that verbiage, that's what every oath is saying. May God punish me if I'm lying to you right now. You're calling on God to punish you if you break the promise. And that, that's no big deal if you don't take God seriously, right? If you don't fear God, you don't care about God, you don't really believe in the holiness of God, you, then it's no real big deal to invoke his name willy-nilly whenever you want. But if you do believe in the holiness of God, if you tremble before him like Habakkuk and Job and every, everyone else in Scripture who was ever confronted with the presence of God, if, you, if, you're, if you're that kind of person, then you realize you would be better off dead than to break an oath made to God. God will not hold guiltless anyone who profanes his name. He will hold you to your word. And if you tell a lie and you don't come clean, you don't confess, you don't, you don't repent, that is cosmic perjury. And you're going to face the consequences from God that are far worse from whatever consequences you were trying to escape by telling that lie. You know, you, you commit perjury in the court and you go to jail. Committing perjury before God is a lot worse. The solution to the problem of dishonesty is reverence before God. If you're trying to figure out, how can I do it? I, I've, I've resolved a hundred times. I'm going to start telling the truth. I'm going to start telling the truth, but I can't seem to get myself to do it. How can I get myself to do it? Fear of God. Greater reverence for God. That's the solution. To get real victory, we, we need to increase our reverence for God. The starting point has to be reverence for God. That's the force of that above all. right? It has to come first. Reverence for God's name must come first. So it's worth underlining those words above all in your, in your Bible because, because that's not really intuitive, right? You wouldn't necessarily know that's the first step to solving these problems. When someone's hurting me, treating me unfairly, unjustly, whatever, everything in me wants to say, above all, make it stop, right? That's above all. That's priority one. Make it stop. That's my natural first priority. My, it's not my natural number one knee-jerk reaction when I'm being treated unfairly to say, wow, I'm being treated unfairly? I need to gain greater reverence for God. That, that doesn't just pop into my mind normally, naturally. But that is the most important solution. That's what we need. What we need isn't relief. What we need is greater fear of God. Psalm 161. Rulers persecute me without a cause. There's unjust treatment. Solution, my heart trembles at your word. We need to see the connection between those. The solution to being treated unfairly is not to get them to stop. The the solution to being treated bad is to tremble before the word of Almighty God. Why? Why? Well, because, look at verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. That's what I need, right? If I'm being treated bad, I need peace. I I mean, even more than relief, I need peace. Because what good is relief going to do me if I still don't have peace? 
What you need most is peace, and that comes from reverence for God. And you know that you have reverence for God when you tremble before His Word. When you have the proper orientation towards the Word of God, that what will happen is that will lead you right into God's presence, and that's where you're going to find the joy and the strength to get you through the suffering. Psalm 43 shows us that in verse 1. It says, Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, the joy of my rejoicing. See? Scripture that leads us into His presence, and that's where we get what we need. So the starting place for everything, reverence for God. And the result of that reverence has to be what? Personal integrity, honesty, and faithfulness, right? I'm not going to be dishonest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to be unfaithful and fail to follow through on my word. I'm not going to do all that. Why? Because as one who bears the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am under oath before him 24-7. I fear him way too much to play fast and loose with his name by being dishonest. If this is an area you would like to work on in your life, I have a recommendation for you. I would recommend the book The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. It's a book or you can listen to a sermon series you can listen to or watch the videos for free online. Just a classic work on the holiness of God. If that series doesn't give you a reverence for God, I don't know what will. But, but if you struggle with honesty, that's the place to go. Reverence. Learn about the holiness of God and learn what it means to bow before Him. Okay, so back to James 5. Turn back to James 5. All of that is the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what James is pointing us to when he quotes Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And so what we need to understand is there are two parts to this command, two parts to what James is telling us. He's calling us to have integrity, but much more than that, he's calling us to an integrity that is founded on the basis of fearing God's name, reverencing God's name. Okay, that's the key. This is the basis for our integrity. Josephus said that the Qumran community, uh, here's what he said, any word of theirs has more force than an oath. Wouldn't it be something if we had that reputation, if evangelicals just had that reputation in this society that, man, a Christian gives you a simple yes or no, you can take it to the bank, it's like a contract, it has more force than a contract. And especially it would be great if they, if they saw that the reason for that is because how much we how much reverence we have for our God's name. Sometimes Christians are a little hesitant about the concept of fearing God. They want to redefine it to refer to some kind of awe or reverence that has nothing whatsoever to do with fear. But the Bible uses the word fear, and it's always better to adjust our thinking to fit the Bible rather than the other way around. Never think that fearing God is in any way incompatible or contradictory to the idea of desiring to be close to God as your loving Father. Scripture places both side by side. God is both our Father, whom we desire to draw near to, and our Judge, whom we fear. For example, 1 Peter 1.17 says, Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Dear Father, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. For your eyes are on those who fear you, on those whose hope is in your unfailing love. Your angel encamps around those who fear you, and you deliver them. 
The nations tremble before you, Father. When they see your awesome power, they melt in fear. Teach me to tremble. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.